Hello, friends. This is Michael from Anigan Media, and I am the courtroom of County Judge Wade McKinney for our weekly county podcast. How you doing today, Judge? I'm doing good, except a little bit cold. A little bit it's, cold. It's coming. It is. It is definitely. It is definitely cold. Um, and I'm going to tell on you. I'm going to tell on you. I'm, I'm getting. I, I am starting to catch on to your particular weakness. And it's Dr. Pepper. Yeah, I've, I've, you know, I got off of it for a long time, but COVID's wore me out. <laughs> I'm back on the Dr. Pepper bottle. <laughs> I, um, I, I admit to a, um, I, I admit to an addiction of, to Diet Coke. So uh-huh. I understand. All right. Hey, listen, guys, we're going to get into this really quickly because we have, uh, three really big important topics to talk about in today's podcast. Number one, we're going to start off with the fact that Henderson County and the TSA we're in no longer recognized as a high hospitalization area. That is great news on the COVID front. Number two, craziness when it comes to the census data and redistricting and what's going on in Austin. We're going to get into that a little bit. And number three, another COVID kind of um, topic but rent assistance is becoming available, uh, and we are going to talk about that. But let's kick it off with talking about uh, our um, TSA, our, uh, the region our county is in, no longer being designated high as a high hospitalization area. How great is that, Judge? Oh, that's fantastic. You know, that was so much of... Not only do you have the health and safety issue involved, but you also had the economic reductions on the um, capacity of certain businesses and getting above or getting below, I should say, that 15% of um, COVID capacity in the hospital for seven consecutive days opens things back up somewhat. And it's, it's wonderful for our community. It's wonderful for our businesses, you know, and the thing is, we are dropping down into a, another low spot, but we always need to remember that it, it's still out there. So continuing on with uh, everything that we've done to get this far. All right. So for those who don't remember, we're going we're gonna to go through our, our couple of big things. Number one, we're not talking about just Henderson County. Mm-hmm. It is the trauma services area, the TSA. Uh, our TSA includes Tyler and Longview, has about 960,000 people in it. Um, all of the data that the state uses when it comes to this is broken down by these TSAs. There are 22 of them in the state. In October, Governor Abbott um, set the uh, level for what a high hospitalization area was. Right. And what he said is 15% of staffed beds. Yes. If 15% of the staffed beds in a TSA region, uh, if there were more than 15% for seven consecutive days, that area was considered high hospitalization. Yes. And what would happen? Well, you had um, your business capacities, those some of your restaurants and things like that, had to reduce their capacity down to 50%. Because if you'll remember prior to that, you could be open to 75% as the opening Texas, I believe, was the rollout program under those guidelines. And if you, once you cross that threshold of 15% for seven consecutive days, you had to reduce that capacity plus close the bars. 
you know, bars could not operate at that point. Which is a bigger factor for other places in our region than yes. Henderson County. However, that did affect some Henderson County businesses. It did. Many, uh, many of you know that given all this time, um, TABC, Texas Alcohol and Beverage Commission, allowed many, allowed for a mechanism to allow bars to transition from a 51% alcohol sales to a food and beverage sales um, certificate so that they could continue to operate during this time. And all but uh, two, I believe, in the county did make that transition over this entire time. And um, we did yesterday um, sign the um, certificate saying that we um, agree and are under the 15% and to allow the two that we have left in the county that did not transition to a food and beverage. All right. So once you're a high hospitalization area, which we got that designation in December, yes, the only way that that can be taken off is if your area goes under 15% COVID patients in the staffed beds of your region right. for seven consecutive days. We hit that number on Sunday. Yes. And so um, we... And, in fact, the, the nice thing about it, and I, I'll tell you, I didn't check today. Well, I didn't check today, which would have been yesterday's number, Tuesday's numbers. Um, as of Monday's numbers, though, our hospitalization rate and our percentages, our hospitalization, hospitalized patients and our hospitalization rate were both the lowest it had been since before Thanksgiving. Oh, yes. I mean, we're down to um, almost 12% as far as the hospitalization rate, and we're down to 365 individuals in the region in the hospital. Under, under 400 under when 400. we had in, the, in January, we right. were looking at a peak where we were above 600 yes. in our region who were hospitalized. So this is not a, this is not a small little dip. This is not a small little, um, change in the numbers. We have come down substantially in the last four weeks. We have, you know, we're, we've almost cut it basically in half from the high last month. And we have not been this low since October, uh, excuse me, November 18th. Actually, as far as yeah. numbers of individuals yeah. in beds, it's just it's just really really great because we are now to the levels we were before the holidays, which was the big scare, the big fear. What, and you know what, the fear was. I'm going to say this: the fear was justified. Oh yes, definitely. Because there was an incredible spike in COVID, um, and a lot of people. Uh, passed away because of to COVID. COVID claimed quite a few people through that time period. Um, however, it does seem that we're past that now. It does. And if you look back again, the number we are praising today has come down so much, but it's still almost a hundred above what it was back in July. When During the first the very first wave when we thought, oh, wow, this is going to be such a big deal. Look yes. how many people are sick. 
and we're a hundred over that. Exactly. And saying, wow, look how good we're doing. Yeah. So it gives you an idea of what our perception has become. Exactly. And the thing is, is that you're exactly right. You can look at the data and see that as we moved indoors in October and started having those close contact events, it took off. And it climbed and it climbed, and it seemed as that when we had um, Halloween, the, it bumped higher. And sure. as it was running into Thanksgiving, it was running higher. And, of course, we plateaued or peaked, I should say, on you know, first week of uh, January. And But there was that part that you bring up. The month of January was the deadliest month that we have had. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, those of us listening to the podcast are thrilled to hear about these COVID numbers, but I don't want to, um, yeah, I think we need to remember that there are a lot of people who are listening who, um, either lost someone or know of someone who lost someone. It it goes back to that saying that you said in the beginning, you know, how was it that you used to put that? In the beginning, everybody knew someone who tested positive. Now everybody knows someone who's passed away. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, okay, but those numbers are coming down. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that we're under 400 is so amazing. I can't wait when I, I think I may have a personal little party when we get into the, <laughs> when we break 300 and we get you back bet. into the 200s. You I, bet. I, I'm, I may have to go in the backyard and do a little dance. Um, and we get back to those July type figures. Right. Uh, I'll be pretty happy. The other part of this is as it's coming down now, we're also bringing the vaccine on, mm-hmm. which promises to make sure or promises if we can get enough of the vaccine out there that we won't see that kind of spike again, hopefully, right. is the thought. So tell us where we are on the vaccines. I, I cannot I, – and I know you're the same way. Yeah. I can't tell you how many questions I'm getting about vaccines, and I really can't give them a decent answer other than... other. We are at the discretion of the Department of State Health Services. That is, there is an executive, or shall we say an expert committee of four, that determines the allocations of vaccines. And I believe for February 8th, the state was... Um, authorized a little right at 400,000 vaccines for, you know, 29 million people. And the availability of the vaccine is not there in sufficient quantity. And we continue to encourage everyone that calls. Of course, we have four different signups on our website Sign up for all of them. Um, also, the pharmacies are, are beginning to get some of their second and, second and third shipments, being the Brookshire's and all of those that are locally. And until the manufacturers and even with the hope of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine coming on board, until that is available it's just not going to be there. When we look at on the nightly news and you say, oh, you know, this county got 60,000, this uh, location got 40,000, uh, those are the high population areas. But when you're looking at the percentages, right, they're running about the same. You know, um, we've been tracking the actual vaccinations and of 
those 16 years and above, there's about 60,000 in Henderson County. And um, 6% of that targeted group has received a, an initial vaccination. And when you look at the other counties across the board that are about our size, we're all running within a percentage of each other. So I'm going to do this thing that's just going to just make everybody mad. But, uh, yeah, it, 6% according to the figures we have. <laughs> exactly. Because I am not trusting those figures even a little bit. I know many people in Henderson County are traveling outside of the county yes. to try and get their vaccine. And good for them. I'm exactly. not saying that's bad. I'm saying that I don't believe that our public health system has the capacity to properly track the, all of that right now. Not that they won't figure it out and get along, right. but right now I don't think – I think this is another another deal like we had with the tests at the beginning of this whole pandemic. It, uh, it I don't is. think those numbers I, – I, I take those numbers with a grain of salt. It, it is, and I have watched um, corrections happen – where um, even some of the allocations, there was a change maybe down 100 or in the percentages. This is all based off of human error, uh, individuals inputting the information. And sure. this has all been stood up on the fly. And, um, you know, they are doing the best that they can with what they have available. And us showing the information, it's the only information that, is available. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to give my pitch. I'm going to do what I would say if someone stopped me out on the street and said, "Tell me about vaccines." I'm going to tell you what I would tell them and you tell me if I'm correct. Okay. All right. I would say vaccines are rolling out. There's not enough to go around. Unfortunately, Henderson County is a rural county. And that puts us on the low end of the stick. There are plenty of places to sign up for vaccinations. You can do that on the Henderson County government right. website and get on a waiting list. If you are a uh, person who, for whatever reason, feels like you can't wait, it is okay to go out of the county to get your shot. Yes, all you have to remember is that it's required to get your second shot in the same place that you got your first shot so that those things can be tracked properly. And just like with tests, I fully expect that a month from now, six weeks from mm -hmm. now, we will be in a different place because as this rolls out, it will accelerate Yes. Uh, the availability will accelerate. However, right now, that's where we stand. It is. And what we got notification this week that CVS, uh, who was a part of the vaccinations at the long-term um, care facilities, is now beginning to transition to a um, a commercial setting at their retail sites. I think 70 locations in the state. I know that Walmart is beginning to pick up in different areas and um, Walgreens as well. But that all depends on the availability exactly. of the vaccine. And, exactly. and that's one of those things that's going to, that's going to fluctuate from 
not only week to week, from but from day to day. Right, and I heard this morning on the news, uh, one of the counties in the Metroplex area, one of the larger ones, had over 200,000 on their wait list. And basically they stopped accepting new ones until, uh, new signups, until they can work through that backlog. There you go. All right, so this is what we're going to say. We're going to about to move on, but we're going to say this just because we have to say this. Hey, wash your hands, sanitize your hands, make sure that you social distance yes. and wear your mask in those situations that you have to wear a mask, okay? We've all kind of gotten to that point where we're kind of figuring it out now, okay? If you can go and you can sit 12 feet away from somebody, mm-hmm. take your mask down. Right. But if you're sitting next to them because there's no room Put your mask on. It, exactly. it, it makes perfect sense. Um, and let's try to keep everybody healthy. All right. Amen. We're going to move on. That's all we need to say about <laughs> COVID for today. Because we've got something really interesting. Or it's, Here's the thing. It's one of those things you and I have talked about before where it is super important. Mm-hmm. It's really the kind of thing that will affect people very much. Right. But it's a little complicated, and so nobody really pays that much attention to it, and that is the census data and redistricting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's time for the state to redistrict, but we've gotten some news about the census data that's going to affect things. What's going on? Yeah, normally when we um, complete a census, usually that information is made available in March of the following year. It was 2011, March of 2011 when we got it, March of 2001. But uh, it's been announced this year that the census data could is going to be delayed being given to the state and local entities until sometime during the summer. And that really begins to make things difficult when you begin to look at redistricting because there are statutes. Um, uh, the 1965 Voting Rights Act says, look, um, you must have equal representation within your district so that every vote has the same weight. And these things are all required, but it's all based upon the census data. And you know what? There's a timeline to get these things done because if the release of census data comes too late in the year to get all of the puts and the takes and the moving and the adjusting and the balancing and all the wrangling that goes on, that has to be finished in time to begin the next election process. And, you know, we just finished one, but... Elections never end. Elections never end. Every two years they start. We actually agreed to um, conduct uh, five or six elections uh, this May for some of the school districts in the cities in the areas. Elections never end, and it is based so much on census data that this delay pushing us back till summer, you know, December is sign-up time. And usually you get to start in March delayed till August, that sure closes the window down. And we also have to deal with the fact that it's all timed for the legislature. Mm-hmm. But um, as Texans, we have this <clears throat> belief that the um, less time the lawmakers are meeting, the better for us. <laughs> yes. And so uh, one of the things I had to get used to when I got here to, to Texas is the fact that lawmakers – meet for a very short period of time every other year Mm -hmm. 
And they're only in session until... 140 days. 140 days. Right. Um, May 31st is the closing, sine die, as they say in the House. So the current legislative session is due to end May 31st. Mm -hmm. But we might not get the census data until the summer. Until summer. That sounds like a problem. Yes. You know, the governor can call a special session, which is a 30-day session for targeted legislative work. And we have been um, taking side bets and laughing and cutting up with uh, everyone of going, how long will the legislature actually be in Austin this year? So this is a, if it does not come in, there will be a special session. And when it is focused solely on redistricting and there's not other distractions involved in a special session, it can either be really good and really fast or there can be a, quite a deal of wrangling going on that delays the process even further. And so to give you an idea of why some of this stuff is important is um, a lot of uh, federal grants, mm -hmm. a lot of uh, money that flows down to local areas are based on census data, right. based on these redistricting in these districts. Obviously, the elections, if you redraw the lines, it changes the districts. Ten years ago, the last time the state went through redistricting, Henderson County um, and ended up in two separate right. state house districts, which I will be upset about <laughs> right. until my dying day that that happened to Henderson County. I think it was the worst possible thing to happen to our county. Yes. I can't believe that it was allowed to happen. I will scream that it was a mistake mm -hmm. and hate on those politics <laughs> until the end. I'm right there with you on that because it's the only rural county that – had that was split like that you know we are rural nature this is common in the more populated areas because there is a specific set um you take the population and divide it by 150 because that's how many um legislators we have in the house and that's the population size well in the rural in the urban areas you get multiple districts within a county, but we are a rural county, and we are uh, working from a with less leverage in that situation being split by two. We have um, great representative now that is, that is really um, well. We have a great representative for part of the county. Well, for part of the county, that's that's true. Uh, uh, um, uh, representative Bell is is definitely involved and there and mm -hmm. and and. You know, um, but if I am in uh, Cedar Creek Lake area and mm -hmm. I'm, the say, side. the Cedar Creek Lake Chamber of Commerce that reaches from Maybank to Tool, right. and my Chamber of Commerce is in two separate state house districts, yeah, it didn't help them any. No, it did not. And I remember 10 years ago, that was part of the sale about, oh, look, you have two representatives now to help you, but it actually diminishes don't make our voice. Don't make <laughs> me go Yankee. Do not make me go Yankee. I'm not do, defending it at any not, means. I was just as mad That is about it. the biggest spin mm -hmm. from politicians who are... Anyway, <laughs> we're going to get off this before I say something I regret. Census data is important. Yes. 
So how does it affect now one of the things the the county has to go through mm-hmm. redistricting because you have to make sure that the um the the uh precinct lines right. are drawn correctly and every year every redistricting they have to be adjusted mm. what's the delay due to you It it has the same delay upon us um because it is the commissioner's precincts that have to be redistricted so so that they remain within a 5% deviation of one another it means they can be 5% over the average or 5% under. That's as close as they can be or that's as far apart as they can be. And when you're talking about shifting individuals in their representation, uh, we shifted population out of Commissioner 3 into 2 10 years ago to help balance up because uh, we anticipated the, of the growth coming in Chandler, it was already starting then. Don't I also remember that there's a series of public hearings yes. all around the county that have to be, I mean, there's a whole process laid out that has to take place. That's right, because it has to have public input because this is about representation at the local level and at the federal level because this affects our representation in the House, which I believe um, Texas is to gain two more seats in, in the federal House of Representatives based on redistricting. Yeah, so all of this, Creating I mean, two it's new ones. From, from the county mm-hmm. all the way to Washington, D.C., this has an impact. It does. Um, and so and, – and it – impacts federal dollars that can flow down it impacts budgets budgets elections Mm -hmm. everything everything is affected by this redistricting that's how important it is Uh, and something we're going to have to keep an eye on and um, i hope folks in henderson county will Mm -hmm. um, help and pay attention to this process um because things can happen when you're not looking. That's right. Um, and don't let all the numbers and the fact that, hey, you know what? Okay, it's a little boring. It, well, hey, come on. Come I on. know there are folks that spend their life writing, and there's some folks that end up playing <laughs> they, with they, numbers. They, 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 you know, it's not boring to us. <laughs> but the average person out there, look, this this right. is a little boring to them. They don't want to pour through census data, but no. this is vitally important. And they expect it to be done. And they expect it to be done, and That's expect right. it to be done right. That's exactly. And right. and that is an expectation that mm-hmm. they should have. Exactly. So. All right, guys, we're going to keep you updated on that. We're going to move on to our last thing, uh, and that is um, rental assistance that's um, coming available um, that we've just heard about. Uh, came out of the office of the uh, governor mm-hmm. uh, this past week. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with that, Judge. Well, there was a $1.3 billion of federal assistance from in COVID relief um, that is being given out and pointed towards rental assistance in Texas. And it is a state program working directly with the state on making your application. And we're going to, uh, Michael's going to put the link up and we're going to be sure we get this out to the public that uh, may need. They've even have a, um, what is that, one eight three three nine. 
text rent, a phone number to call in for those needing assistance. And there's there's some qualifications that have to be met, which at or below 80% of the area median income, at or below, uh, you know, some they'll prioritize applications based upon where your income level hits. And this the pandemic has affected so many and we've had the, the rent moratoriums, the eviction moratoriums and all of that. Uh, the state of Texas is stepping up and making this available to the public for that assistance. And it's like you said, moratorium. Mm-hmm. What we did or what was done is we're going to cut you a break over these few months on your uh, rent because we know what's going on. However, your rent doesn't go away. Right. When it gets turned back on, it's like, well, remember those four months, those three months you didn't pay? You still owe that money. That's right. Uh, And I'm going to tell you right now, if that happened with my mortgage, Mm -hmm. I I would be struggling to figure out where I was going to come up with three months of mortgage right quick. Um, And so that's what this is for, to try to help some of that kind of stuff. And. According to the information, you can go all the way back to March of 2020. This isn't like right this minute. If you've got that, if if you're sitting there and you're paying your your rent, but you've got back rent that is hanging over your head, this program can help. It can, and it's going to be much needed for many out there. And going back, that's when the disaster was declared. And back to March 2020. So anyone that has been impacted in that way and can meet the thresholds, this is available to assist. Okay, so locally um, in Henderson County, one of the best places to get this kind of help is the Henderson County Help Center. That's right. That's uh, located here in Athens. Um, now, the Help Center isn't going to be doing this. This is something totally separate, correct? Correct. This is a program run by the state and set up to function that way so that it is not another situation where you're having to stand up a support locally. This is actually a a phone number and a website. Right. You can just go to the website. Mm-hmm. You can fill out the application and apply for this program yourself right through that uh, right. link. That link is TexasRentalRelief.com. I think go back down. TexasRentRelief.com. And, of course, I will put it in the in the notes, in the show notes or whatever. Okay. But it's TexasRentRelief.com. You can call also uh, 833-9TX-RENT uh, or 833-989-7368. That will also be in the, in the notes as well. Um, but this is a great program for those people who have been impacted. You know what? This is one of those things that we go back to the high hospitalization. How mm-hmm. important is it to be able to reopen some of these businesses? Well, the reason a lot of these places or these people are having trouble with the rent is because they worked in those kind of places right. and lost hours when they were shut down or shut back or closed right. back the, the capacity and they lost hours and they ended up in this kind of situation so this is a program for them it is and it's a fantastic program that um, we really expect that uh, will be a great impact for our county it will be because of um, we have a larger uh, rental segment than most folks realize in the county 
Yeah. Okay. Well, um, great news there. Um, hey, this has been a packed podcast. We had a lot of information, uh, which is the way it always is when we get together. Um, good news, man. COVID numbers are coming down. Right. Vaccines are going to be going up. Um, and it's a little early to say, but almost feels like if we haven't turned a corner, I can see the corner. Yeah. Um, oh, look at him looking at me. CC doesn't he? He's afraid to even I, go I'm there. I'm afraid to say that. This is one thing about this event that I have learned is that it seems like Michael. Once, once we say something's going to happen, it takes the opposite direction oh, nearly yeah. every time. And you know, it. The I sent you a um, picture a few days ago and several of other people that had Mr. Bean, the guy yes. that played Mr. Bean, standing on the side of the road and standing up, looking, looking at his watch, sitting down, laying down. And I just simply said, caption this. Yeah. And you sent back to me the caption of waiting on DSH vaccine yeah, clinic. Wait, <laughs> waiting, waiting for the DSHS vaccine clinic that's been promised for Henderson exactly. County. Exactly. Um, we, and one day, one day, and it, it does, it goes back to that availability of vaccines. We are set on go. We, as I said last week, we are trying to find even other alternative methods of getting vaccines here. Even if we have to do like some of the larger counties are where they are paying for a service for someone to come in to do it. It's, it's about availability of vaccine. So. All right, ridiculous thing at the end of the podcast that no one's going to listen to. Remember, you just said, Mr. Bean, you're talking about some British comedy, Britcom type stuff. Just wanted to point Which out. Which we're both fans of. That the. Hello, hello. Yeah, hello, hello. <laughs> that hello, hello is on Amazon Prime right now. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, you got to watch it. Um, if, if you don't know what this is, it's a, uh, French, Restaurant or French cafe slash inn in World War Two, and uh, some Germans who I have no idea how they're able to dress themselves in the morning. They're so stupid. I'll just say, hey, y'all, remember Channel Thirteen Sunday British comedies? That's what we're talking about. You know what? This, you know what yeah. it is? It's almost it's 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 almost like um, it, it's the British version of Hogan's Heroes, yeah, sort it of. Was. It was. You know, it's 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 the French underground instead of a prison mm-hmm. camp. Yeah, but it is it is it's very Hogan's Hero esque. Yes, and great so, show by the way too. With, oh yeah, good show, <laughs> good show. Yeah, we could do a whole podcast on on like sixties sitcoms we that we still love. We didn't get off in the weeds on anything else today, but no. here we go. Well, you know. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys, thank you very much for listening um, to the County Podcast. Listen, I know that sometimes uh, we get a little silly, but this is really important information. This is the stuff that you really want to know about what's going on because this is what really impacts you. Look, I know everybody wants to think about Washington, D.C. That's great and all. But if you paid half as much attention to Henderson County as you do Washington, D.C., we'll all be much better. Thank you for listening, Judge. We'll see you next week. Thank you.